Yo, what's poppin'? It's your boy Roll Ricketts, uh, out here in Thailand, Bangkok. Touch base with the people. How you lot doing out there? Thanks for downloading the show and tuning in. So much going on at the moment in, in, in football, whether that be in my life. Um, I'm looking for a club at the moment since I left Hong Kong end of 2015. So I've come to Asia to try and find a new club. You know how that can go sometimes. Um, the football economy outside of England is very bit. It's unstable. Do you know what I mean so? Sometimes, like for me, last, last, last was it five weeks now? Sometimes it can be a bit unpredictable, and especially in, East, in Southeast Asia. But continue looking. Got a few um, options in the pipeline. So hopefully, I'll have a club in the next week or so. Um, other than that, I got my um, case with FIFA that hopefully is coming to an end. It's been going for nearly five years now. Absolutely ridiculous. I saw that they appointed a new um, FIFA president the other day. And um, I was just saying to myself and a couple of friends that I hope they actually start to look at these clubs um, outside of England, outside of Germany, in, in mainly, that actually are taking the piss of players' contracts. And yeah, they need to kind of put their foot down, do you know what I mean? Instill a bit more fair in these teams so they can stop taking the piss of us players. Literally five years, five years since receiving my, um, well, I received the verdict from FIFA uh, about a year ago. But then the team in Moldova, they've, they've like appealed a band and FIFA give them the 21 days and then they drag it out and they ask for a longer time and then they want to take it to the CAS, which is the CAS in Zurich, Switzerland. So that's what it's going to be. Um, Shout out to the PFA, thanks very much because they've been supporting me great with um, all the legal fees and like you know I mean? they've they've been a, a great support system. So shout out to the PFA. Any of you players out there, if you don't know what the PFA is providing for you, make sure you go and check them out. Go and give them a call because they they provide a great support system for us in England. We're very fortunate in that aspect. But yeah, FIFA, Cass, please get this sorted out. Get it sorted out. Don't stop letting these teams get away with murder. So, I mean, there's many players. There's a player right now in Thailand, a friend of mine, who's going through some crazy stuff. So, I mean, I can't give his name out, but he's going through some crazy stuff. hasn't been paid for five months. Um, ridiculous, ridiculous situation. But hopefully that's sorted out soon. Um, yeah. But let's move on. A few, a few, a few situations that I want to touch on. Um, one thing, I'm going to leave... They're going to leave the big one to the end. The big one's the Arsenal Spurs derby. So we're going to talk about that at the end. That's like, that's, that's, it's a war. There's a war going down tomorrow at White Hart Lane. But I want to talk about that in a little bit. And hopefully we can get my boy, one of the craziest Arsenal fans, most vocal Arsenal fans on social media. Maybe we can get him on. The boy Leon Knight. Do you get him on and see what he's got to say for himself? Because he's been absolutely He's been furious the last, well, I would say, couple of weeks or month on Twitter, um, expressing his feelings directly to players and, and exchanging views with fans. But um, yeah, but one thing I want to talk about today, which is very interesting, it was I, I, I was reading Roy Hodgson, 
he was asked about uh, Marcus Rashford, who's the uh, latest player to come out of Man United's youth team and make an impact at first team level. This guy, um, good player, good young player. Um, we never heard about him until the, the, the last week. He scored two against Midland in the Europa League, uh, helping us turn the tie around. And then he comes in a bigger game, home to Arsenal in a game that we obviously needed to win. Arsenal needed to win also. And he scores two goals. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I, I love to see it. I've always been the one who said that we need to give English young players a chance because if we don't protect our own players, we're never going to see the best players that England has to offer. Do you know what I mean? And, and in the it affects the national team. So somebody, like what Pochettino's done, has to put their foot down and say, no, we're not going to spend all these millions. We're not going to try and buy success. Let's give the youngsters a chance because... Whether you've bought the players or brought them out of the youth team, is neither always going to guarantee you a chance to win the league. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to guarantee. Look at Man United at this season. He spent two hundred and fifty million pounds in two years, and look where we are. So, if we had a few youngsters in there, it's never going to. It's not going to make much of a difference. Same thing is happening now at Chelsea. Chelsea had a bad season with all these superstars, and. It's not to, not to say these superstars are not good players. It's that you can give the English players a chance, look after them. It's their country. It's our country. You know, it's England. I travelled the world. I've travelled the world, played in 11 countries. It's like 10 other than England. It looks like it's going to be 12. And I just really uh, think that what other countries do where I've been, England needs to start doing that, but on a wider, in a bigger scale. Like obviously they've uh, they've introduced like the the homegrown rule where we've got to have a certain amount of players, or else we're going to be breaking rules and you know what I mean, and they make teams pay fines and so forth. But I don't think we have enough. Like in England, it, no, outside of England, a lot of these teams have like a maximum four four on the player rule. So I mean four four on the player rule in England. I don't know what it is. It's, it's like a it's, I can't remember the exact rule. Maybe I should have told you. Maybe I should have got my facts right so I could tell you what kind of uh, what kind of broadcaster am I, what kind of host am I. But yeah, anyway, in England, what it does, right? You have a team like in Manchester City going and trying to steal Arsenal's players, the best English youngsters like a Jack Wilshire, which is terrible because you want you're meant to be putting your players into the squad by rights. Because if you're stealing Arsenal's players, it's like hold on a minute, it's like. Bring your own through, do you know what I mean? I always said this. You look at people like Modric, who's a quality football player. He was once given his opportunity by his club because they don't have all these millions. So he's given his opportunity because he's a good young player. When you have these good young players at Spurs, at Manchester City, at Chelsea, at Man United, Liverpool, give these boys an opportunity. Give them the platform. You've just groomed them for eight to ten years, sometimes longer. Give them the opportunity to show that they can play at that level, which they can, just give, just give them an opportunity. They're not going to, like, people need to have more faith in them. Do you know what I mean, like, we're so quick to look over the pond and buy a player that's been given the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? We are the victims of the fact that we're the biggest in terms of commercial value. We're the biggest league in the world. So we go and buy these players and then we say that we're the biggest league in the world. Best league. Well, we are if you look at the fact that we're stealing... 
Like, we're, we're taking these ready-made players who've been given an opportunity. We did it. Spurs did it once with, uh, I forgot who was the gaffer, maybe it was Harry Redknapp, and he bought Van der Vaart. But I was like, hold on, you've had, you've had John Bostock. who John Bostock had played first-team football already. He played at about 15 years old. So he was already ready. Just give him a, like, a year, maybe the reserves, bring him on, and put him in the team. Let him play. That's why you bought him, because you've already seen that he played. But what happens, you get him, and then it's like, you think, oh, you start seeing the kid, you think, wow, it's the Premier League. It's, like, it's bigger than what it really is. It is. Um, it's the perception. So you start looking at Johnny Bostock and saying, oh, I'm not sure if he can do this. I'm not sure. So put the guy in. Do you know what I mean? Put the guy in and let him play. If any of you have not been keeping up to date with John Bostock out there in Belgium, he's playing in the Premier League right now in Belgium. Go and look him up on YouTube and see what he's been doing. Fantastic. It's a disgrace how he's not in the talks of the England squad. And then all of a sudden, Mark Rashford plays two games and then all of a sudden they're talking about he is. Anyway, Mark Rashford. Roy Hodgson said he's not going to count him in the England squad for the Euros or he's not going to count him out. Um, I think it's good, obviously, for the boy that he's actually been considered that he's going to keep an eye on him. But I just think it's totally, it's a disgrace how this is how we select our players. All of a sudden, a guy who's who's played two games, the media all of a sudden asks about him. And the media, you lot are doing a bad job because you, you're, you're wrongfully educating the society about these players. So, we have a player who's, what? Youth team player, reserve team player, up till two weeks ago. He comes in, he scores two goals. If he didn't score these goals, you don't wouldn't give a damn about him. Scoring these goals are just kind of like it's like, you know, it's not a when you just come in and you just score two goals. It doesn't. It's not a, a true reflection that this player is actually in a certain level. Yes, he's done well, but we know many of players who've come on the scene like Michael Rissick, Ricketts. He scored like what? He scored eleven in the row at one point or something like that. In the Premier League, what, what does that mean? Like he's England material. Shout out to Michael Ricketts. I'm not having a go at you, my my namesake. Hope you're doing well out there. Um, but what I'm saying is, because he scored all these goals in a row, doesn't all of a sudden mean he's England material. Do you know what I mean we get so hyped up and disillusioned? Do you know what I mean? Um, so all of a sudden, you people in the media start. If it was a a, a football player, some more football players getting into media. I don't know if, maybe they would be, but I don't know if they're going to be silly enough to start asking Roy Hodgson these questions. It makes headlines, but really, like, it's nonsense. I mean, the guy, because that, that's like me saying to you then, look, how come you're not picking Mark Rashford before? Why are you, Why is no one talking about him being in the England squad before? Do you know what I mean? But no, he's been put in the squad because there's been injuries. It's not by design, because like I said, we don't have these rules set in place that protects our English youngsters. He's there because of all these injuries. He gets in, he scores a couple goals. Brilliant. Next game, he scores a couple goals. Brilliant. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking about in the, in the Euros. Do you know what I mean? But then John Bostock's been doing it week in, week out, but you know, I'm not giving him the oxygen of publicity and... Like keeping everyone up to date what he's been in. You're not talking about John Bostock. Like and I tell you right now, Fabian Delph, for a lot of these players, they're nowhere near as good as him. Kobach, they're nowhere near as good, good as John, Bost John Bostock. Go and keep go on YouTube and see what he's been doing in Belgium the last couple of years. Um and I, I just think it's a disgrace. Um and I feel that Hodgson, he he said I don't know, like he said a good thing maybe by saying like he's gonna keep an eye on him. 
But it's like, really, like, it's a really guy comes in, he scores two goals, and all of a sudden it's like, he skips past Defoe and all these people. Like, like, and I'm not saying he's not better than Defoe or he's better than Defoe. It's just like, it's terrible how we do things. I mean, Tom Huddleston. Tom Huddleston was once in the England squad, a regular, and he's one of the best English midfield players, pound for pound, if you look at the pool of English midfield players. But what happens to him? His team get relegated, all of a sudden he's not even considered. He's not even considered. But then all of a sudden Delft's ahead of him. But when they was in the same league, he was ahead of Delft. It's like disgrace. Absolutely disgrace. So people need to, you know, like, like I'm talking when I say people, the media powers, that, or not the media powers, the people writing these, these stories, have a bit of balls about yourself. Educated people. Talk about some st- stories of real substance. So we can maybe affect change that's going to help the country. Because if you're not doing this, you're not even actually doing anything that's going to make change to help the country. Little by little, we need to start bringing in these laws that's going to be protecting the English young players. Or else we're never going to hear about them. The people like the Josh McKeckerans Josh of this world, they need to be protected. Because what's going to happen, they're going to be talked about, they're going to be paid astronomical amounts of money to be kept in the Chelsea ranks. They sent on loan. And in, in the end, they don't actually pay for Chelsea. So these so-called best English players who are playing for the England under-20s, the 21s, they end up going alone. And before you know it, time has gone by. Those loans have turned into permanent deals into top League One teams or bottom league championship teams. And that's the player done. Unless he gets fortunate, like Leon Britton, and his team come back up the leagues. So, I mean, so, yeah. Roy Hodgson, you should be talking about these things. I think, I think the job... Of an English manager is more than just picking the squad and going to the Euros. Yeah, I think you got a, a responsibility to be moving the needle forward. As as a national team, you know what I mean? But people are not talking about these things. Rio, Alan Shearer, who else is there? Carragher. All of you talk about these. Talk about these things when Jay, I saw Rio. I love Ray Rio really highly. I mean, I like what he's doing. But I saw Rio say after uh, um, uh, Marcus Rashford scored two goals, I saw Rio Ferdinand tweet out two hundred fifty million pounds spent in two years by Luis Van Gaal, and it's the youngster keeping the Man United ship afloat. But listen, that's true. But Rio, talk about this guy, these guys that you've seen in the Man United youth team reserve. Talk about them before. Do you know what I mean? Be, be part of this, like, you know, a real movement. Don't just pop up now when the kids scored two. Because you know, real, like, anyone can score goals. I mean, this, him scoring two goals doesn't mean that this guy's going to be a scoring sensation. Obviously, it's, it's, it, it shows that he's got something about him. Do you know what I mean? But talk about these young players. Like, you guys, real, you, you was once a young English player. If we don't give these boys at Man United a chance and we got him, we're just buying these guys Memphis to pie. All of a sudden, like, Memphis to pie. Like, he got given a chance to PSV and does really well. And all of a sudden, we go and buy him and spend X amount of millions on him. It's like, but what about our English youngsters? What about our wingers? What, is he distinctively better than our players? Like, is he, do you know what I mean? Like, Adam Johnson, obviously he's going to jail now. Adam, you're done, son. But, yeah, Adam Johnson's going to jail now. And, but what I'm saying is, my point is, forget, forget about his case. Like, he was one of our top wide players in England. He goes to Manchester City. He's in the English squad. He's this, that, and that. He then all of a sudden moves because Manchester City doesn't care about English players. 
So imagine that. It's not because he's not good enough. He's a good player. But Man City bought him to fill the quota. Um, then all of a sudden, he doesn't get as much games as he wants, so he wants to go and play. He goes to Sunderland. Then all of a sudden, he's at the England squad. As a regular. It's ridiculous. And then, how come teams like Man United are not buying him? Is there a big distinct difference between Adam Johnson and Memphis Depay? Because at the moment, you are slating Depay. Do you know what I mean? So it shows there's not a big difference between these players. Do you know what I mean? And we've got to start protecting our own players. But it starts with, um, for me, it starts with the media. Obviously, you've got the guy sitting at his desk who hasn't maybe played football on a certain level. He's kind of pointing out this, uh, the general consensus uh, in English football, what we're reading what we regurgitate on the street is what they write and then you got people like the real Ferdinands the Alan Shearers say talk about the real um, needle shifting topics we can make change we can make change I'm telling you but unless you start talking up and protecting and it, it becomes uh, you can say the general the general consensus in the media from you guys we're never going to really see never going to really see change in the English media so you don't need to start talking about this Okay, all of you, don't just sit on the panels, collect your cash, and then don't talk about these things that are going to help shift the tide. Do you know what I mean? In the end, it's not going to be you not going to make the decisions. Obviously, it's going to be the powers that be. But you're going to get into the minds of the people, and then they're usually going to follow suit because they're going to say, you know what? These guys are right. We're going to have to change these rules a bit. And it starts with you English players as well. Yeah, got that off my chest. Anyway, I mentioned it a little bit there. Adam Johnson. Jeez. What's going on there? What is going on there? It's sickening you. Like, as a human, I I, I, I felt bad for him in the sense, just like, it's like, wow, how is he dealing with this all mentally? Going from a player who's free to a guy who's now been convicted or found guilty, actually, of a few sexual uh, charges against a minor, against a girl who's 15 years old and it's, it's disgusting really but it's just so sad in every way, it's just sad how how basically our, our minds, because we're all men, men, we, we, we can all admit on this, we've got demons, do you know what I mean, I don't know, but I can't speak too much for the women's, but men, we have demons, do you know what I mean, um, we do have these sexual demons and we deal with them in different ways but it's sad how Adam has gone and dealt with some of his demons. Uh, people talk about with, with his girlfriend and his, she was pregnant and stuff. That's a whole different topic. I mean, because when you got these demons, sometimes whether you got a girlfriend or not, sometimes it doesn't even matter. I mean, this goes for all ages. I mean, uh, teenagers up to like old men, but older men still kind of committing infidelities. But this situation is very like I hope people can learn from it. Like and that's why I, that's why I like to that's why I, I do my shows. I mean, because I like to give a different perspective. They're like what I think when I see these stories is that we've got to try and learn from Adam, not not just like ridicule him and I mean make these memes on Instagram and stuff about him and slate him on Twitter. We got to try and learn from him because it's real. I mean, he made a mistake. He made a mistake, big mistake. What? Like I said, it's the demons. So I mean, it's Adam, but it's the demons. And men, we know, we know we got these demons out there. No, 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 I'm not saying every man, but the most of us. So I mean, we need to try to find a way to channel them 
in different ways or look at women differently and try and respect them differently and like try to look at things differently because you start to do these things because you're horny that's what it is you're horny you want to come you know like and it's like because you like you said it's a little girl so you don't really need to they say what are you really doing but that's letting you know it's the demons driving him to kind of follow this up and um it's disgusting really it's disgusting it's disgusting and um I hope we can um, hope we can learn from this because Adam's been like he's lost he's lost everything. I mean he's lost everything I mean, in terms of his dignity, his pride. It's kind of his family. It's going to be sad. I mean he's got he's got his, his kids going to be. Oh, I think kids like his daughter's born. Yeah, his daughter that's uh, already born, but it's going to be sad when she grows up to know her father was part of this. So it's 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 bigger than just oh he's committing this crime and. This girl, like, like speaking, speaking of this girl, obviously it's sad, but she's 15 years old, and people say, "Oh my gosh, it's all on him." Listen, it is a lot on him because he knows should know better. But this girl, 15 years old, she damn well knows what she's doing as well because all of a sudden, what when she turns 16 years old, when she turns 16, all of a sudden she's gonna just wake up and realize, no, she knows what she's doing, and she should know what she's doing, or it's bad parenting. So, I mean, so it's really bad on Adam's part because he knew she was 15 years old. So, I mean, so he's got to know as the older person in the situation. Look, look, as soon as he knows that, it's like, forget that. I mean, and bloody heck, did you see this? Did you see the girl's picture? I, I, I saw her picture somewhere. I was like, damn, she even looks like a kid. It's like Adam. Like, but, like I said, these demons out there, sometimes they haunt us. But we've got to really, we've got to start, we've got to start taking responsibility, us men. Do you know what I mean? Start taking responsibility. Um, but yeah, let's look at this Adam Johnson situation and let's try and take it and use it for ourselves as a, uh, a way to try and control our demons because he's losing, losing his freedom probably, he's going to lose his freedom, but it's in a way, but it's for something with a minor, but then there's other people that are losing families and kids are losing fathers and, and, then, and like the homes are breaking up all over the world. Because sometimes, you know, like if we look at the men and take up, take responsibility, because we're not keeping our our things in our pants. You know what I mean, and we're just too horny. You know I mean, we're just too horny. We're just too horny sometimes. And we just gotta admit, we got, we got, we got to start policing ourselves, us men. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's sickening, really. It's, it's it's sickening, really. But that that the parents of that girl sort yourselves out. Do you know what I mean? Sort yourselves out. Kid, kid, kid can't be out there going to meet a footballer like that. Do you know what I mean? It's always, there's a lot of people to blame in this. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people to blame in this. And I just hope us public, we can we can learn something from it. That's why I do the Royal Ricketts show, to give you a different perspective. And we can learn something. We need to learn. It's crazy. A lot, there's a lot of these things going on. When I say there's a lot of these things, within within the, the, the football community, you get, you're get you getting so much money, do you know what I mean? You kind of think like you can do anything. And then I'm not talking about there's a lot of people out there that are uh, playing with young girls. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about there's a lot of people out there and we're kind of... There's the people do that ain't footballers, but when I say you get money, it allows everything to be a bit more accessible and it amplifies one's uh, dirty thoughts. But yeah, that, that, that situation is ridiculous. Let me let yeah, so send me some comments and stuff like what you lot think about the situation. 
Don't just slate Adam Johnson because he's in the public eye and he's a footballer. Just uh, give me your genuine, genuine feedback on that because I want feedback. I want to know what you fans think about this situation. I want to start getting you lot on the show. Uh, but yeah, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What was, what was I going to say? Anyway, enough on that. Enough on that. Let's get into the big one. Let's get into the big one. Tomorrow, Arsenal. Well, no, actually, let me get it straight. Tottenham versus Arsenal down at White Hart Lane. It's going to be manic. Two of my old clubs, I spent eight years at Arsenal Football Club. Gave me a great education. Um, should have played me more games. Arsenal Wenger, you know you should have played me more games. Played one game. I was 18 years old. Arsenal Wenger gave me my opportunity against Manchester United. I was grateful for that, but like I said, it was difficult for us coming through at a time where Arsenal was one of the best teams, not just clubs, teams in the world with the likes of Patrick Vieira, Emmanuel Petit, Dennis Bergkamp, Freddie Lundberg. It was, it was crazy, do you know what I mean? So I moved the ship, Glenn Oddle took me over to Spurs, played three years there, three and a half years, where I got a great, great affiliation with the Spurs faithful. But listen, man, what a game this is. This is, this is what well, in my lifetime, I think the biggest, the biggest North London derby. I'll tell you why. I've played one or two of them, and then I played a lot of them as a youngster, as a youth team player. And it was always a, it was always, you definitely felt, you felt that weight of you going to play against your rivals, do you know what I mean? We, uh, we, we, we carried this onto the pitch, do you know what I mean? And we always dominated them at youth team and reserve team level. Then when I moved over to Spurs, we also, we got dominated by um, Arsenal. But now, the reason I say this game is the biggest in my 33-year existence is because of, the one of the reasons is social media. The fans are what make these clubs. So I mean, but social media has brought it's brought everybody closer together, even though we're, even though we're not even though we're further apart in terms of finances, the fans and the players have grown further apart. There's a bigger divide, do you know what I mean? Um, but social media's kind of brought them together in a way and it's allowed the fans to feel that bit closer to them. And you can they can tweet they can act their, 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 their idols, or at the moment, some of you know, are not anyone's idols, but they can act these players and let them know instantly how they feel about their performances and the results. And this is what I feel has made these, these games and, I mean, the impact, the instant impact. You can feel, you can feel like the general consensus of, of, of a following of a football club within minutes, seconds sometimes, you know what I mean? And this game tomorrow, like I said to you, I've seen like this is these both these teams, the two of um, two of England's biggest clubs and two of North London's giants. Do you know what I mean? And they're going head to head tomorrow in a game where they've got both got an opportunity to win the league. They've both got an opportunity. They're not favourites because Leicester's out in front still, but they've got an opportunity to win the league. But this game, whoever wins this game puts the other team basically. For me, for me, it probably puts them out of it. Do you know what I mean? Because let alone forget the, the the team that wins that's going to go ahead of the other teams. If Arsenal win, they go ahead of Spurs. If Spurs win, they go ahead of Arsenal. This puts the team probably behind Leicester, who I think probably going to go and win their game tomorrow. So there's a lot riding on this game. There's loads, and 
the team to me that Tart can't afford to lose tomorrow, and I'm not talking about just out of the title race, is Arsenal. This is Arsenal Wenger. Like he's the fans are on his back. I mean, he lost the other day. He, he lost back to back games. You can't lose back to get You can't lose against Swansea at home. Do you know what I mean? They, they're having a nightmare at the moment. Arsenal fans. I see it on Arsenal TV. Shout out to my boy Robbie. Shout out to my Robbie. Robbie, I've been loving your shows. But yeah, Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV capturing some great feedback from these fans. Some comical stuff, but some real, real feedback. And listen, you fans, you, I can see that you lot. Have, I don't know if I've ever seen Arsenal fans this mad. I don't know if I've ever seen them this furious. And they're going down into the lane tomorrow. And they got back-to-back defeats. So the worst thing they're going to have is, a, is, is their third defeat in a row. Third defeat in a row if they lost them out in the lane against your worst enemies, your biggest rivals. And that will put you out the title race. So I'll put you out the title race. You'll lose your third game in a row and against your worst enemy. Who, who right now, they're going around and people saying they're bigger than you in North London. Are they Arsenal fans? Do you feel that they're bigger than you right now? Let me know in my comments. Let me know how you feel. Um, Arsenal, Spurs fans, do you feel that you're bigger? Do you feel that you're bigger? I love what Spurs are doing, do you know what I mean? I love both clubs. I love what Spurs are doing. Um, I'm going to give you a prediction at the end of it, what I think the score is going to be tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I just... Arsenal can't afford to lose tomorrow. It will be a riot. Social media, Arsenal Wenger, the flak, the general pressure. Like I said, these... these how would I say it? Like, it's felt. Do you know what I mean? On the social media, it's felt. It's definitely felt. Do you know what I mean? And they've got to learn how to manage that. The people that are controlling the Arsenal social media platforms, because they're going to feel it outside of uh, outside of grounds. And do you know what I mean? It's going it's to be a lot to deal with. Tottenham, on the other hand, Pochettino, I think at the moment he's under no no real pressure. No real pressure. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Tottenham are flying well above their punch away. In of in the sense, when I say this. In the set, like I love what he's doing down there, and I love what Pochettino's done. He's given the English players the opportunity. He's got a good platform, so he can put these young footballers in and play some good football. But what I say is, Tottenham are—they're well above where people expected them to be. So there's no real pressure on them tomorrow. Tottenham could lose two-one tomorrow. There's not going to be no riots. And if there is Tottenham fans, you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace, and you'd be ungrateful. So, but saying that, they're not going to go in the game thinking that, yeah, we, we, we cannot win this game. We're all right. No, they need to push on. So Tottenham are going to go in and try to push on. And that's why it's going to be, like I said, this is going to be like, forget, this is going to be like, this is going to be a war. This is a riot. This is a war. This is a war. Tomorrow's a war. Like, it's going to be mental. It's going to be, I can't, like, I can only imagine if Spurs, if, if, if Spurs beat Arsenal tomorrow. Oh, my Lord. It's going to be great for the likes of Arsenal Fan TV. That's going to, that's going to, that, their, their subscribership is going to probably blow through the roof. Because literally, I said to you, it's going to be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, if there was, if they lost tomorrow, if there was physical action out there, some on at White Hart Lane. I, I, fans, listen to me. Behave yourselves. It's football, isn't it? It's only a sport. I know it means more to, more to life than some of you guys, but. Listen, I said it, I thought about it and I said, Arsenal fans going down to their, if Arsenal fans, like Arsenal fans travelling down there tomorrow, lose 
they go down this one and they lose, and they're getting they're getting like taunted by Spurs fans with all the stress that they're going through. The manager throwing away the league if they lost the one. That would look like they're throwing away the league. If that happens to her, I wouldn't be surprised if I heard about there's some ruckuses, like some serious ruckuses going down there tomorrow. Not just on social media and you not giving it some. I'm talking about some serious ruckus going down there tomorrow at White Hart Lane. Because I remember I told you this story. I remember when I went down there once and I sat with the Arsenal fans, Spurs fans, I love you. I was just sitting with there because one of my Arsenal their colleagues got me some tickets. So I sat with the Arsenal fans at White Line just to watch the game. I wasn't supporting Arsenal or Spurs. You know, sit on the fence. Humpty Dumpty style. So I'm sitting there. Anyway, the game's finished. I can't remember who won the game. But all I know is that when I was leaving the stadium, maybe Arsenal won the game. Was it a draw? It might have been a draw. It was a cup game. I came out of the game. I came out of the stadium. And I remember the, the, the fans were furious. I remember me and my mate, Christopher Ellis, you remember it? We then he got attacked. He actually got gripped up. Someone actually held him up and was like, You're a gooner. You know, he said, No, you're a gooner. He said, You're a goner. Do you know what I mean? It was nuts. And we ended up running off. The police had to help us. And then I had to kind of walk out with my hands up. Because you know, when, when you leave the Arsenal, when, when Spurs Stadium, you're leaving the Arsenal away section. The police kind of protect you and divide you from the Spurs fans up until a certain point. But after that, you're on your own. And they literally had to attack us. But after, I just came out and was like, I'm Ron Ricketts, I'm Ron Ricketts. They said, oh, Ron Ricketts, what are you doing there, son? What are you doing with, this, with the scum? I said, no, no, my mate gave me some tickets. I said, just calm down. Then they showed me some love. But listen, can you imagine, imagine, imagine I wasn't who I was. They would absolutely carve me up. But anyway... I'm going to try and get one of my boys online because I want to see what this guy's got to say. It's my boy Leon Knight. He's an Arsenal fan. Diehard. I mean, very, very vocal on social media. With not just football, but many topics. But recently, he's really been going at the players. He's really been letting, letting the people know how he thinks. Um, and like I said, this guy really cares. He doesn't need to care that much about football. I mean, Leon's had his career. I mean, he's got his monies. He's got his missus, he's got his kids. But this guy really gets worked up. So I want to know what tomorrow... What tomorrow means to Leon Knight. What tomorrow means to Leon Knight. How he sees the game going. And what does he think will happen? Or what's going to go down if Arsenal lose tomorrow? Which is a possibility. They're away from home. Their morale's not that good. They're shaken. So we're going to get my boy Leon Knight online. Yes, so so I got my, my first uh, agent on the line, Eric Waters, um, also a mentor in my life. He's a, been a professional football agent for how many years now, Eric? Uh, this is my 19th season. 19th season. I've seen this man go from the bottom, if you want to call it that, all the way to the top where he's doing deals at big clubs, uh, the biggest clubs in the world, like Manchester United. Um, proud of him, but he's also a Spurs fan. Yo, what's happening, Governor? You ready for the derby tomorrow or what? <laughs> well, listen, this derby is bigger than the normal derby. Yep. This derby is a game where it could determine who wins the league. It could determine who are champions of England. It could also determine who finishes above or below Leicester. Yep. Because Leicester are the surprise team of the uh, of the season. 
last season they were well they they were adrift at the bottom for a long period of time but this season they just seem to have turned it around you know what do you think they've done outsiders what do you think they've done what do you think they've done Obviously, you've been in the game for 17 years, so sometimes I think it's hard to ask you certain questions as a fan because you're dealing with the players themselves directly, so you see things differently to the normal fan, but will you be watching tomorrow's game as an Arsenal fan? I know you've probably got some players that you know at the club, I know you've got a few down at Spurs and the company um, based soccer got both yeah. at both clubs. Well, we've got, well, we've got players on both sides. I mean... We've got people like Eric Lamella, Kyle Walker, and uh, Aaron Ramsey on the Arsenal side. And then, you know, for me personally, it's the only game that I support my team. Well, not only game, only team I support is Spurs. If I go to a Spurs game for the client, I, I tend to end up supporting Spurs. Yeah, but so... so tom- with, um, this particular game tomorrow... Sorry, Ron. Go on. With this particular game tomorrow, it is so huge... I can actually feel the tension when I'm speaking to the players. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to ask you. Has the fever, I know the fever, the players, they have been gripped because I think social media has just made everything that bit more intense and the instant kind of impact and response from the fans who, Arsenal fans, as you know, are absolutely furious at the moment. Spurs fans, I think it's easy to say that they Spurs are punching above their weight in terms of the squad on paper. So I don't think they're going to be ungrateful if they didn't get the results. But Arsenal fans furious. And I want to say to you, like, what do you feel is um, what do you feel is a good result tomorrow? Like, in terms of, for yourself. I know you were going to go over that, but would you be happy as a Spurs fan walking away from that 1-1, 2-2, 0-0, getting the draw? Well, well, to be perfectly honest, the way we've been playing lately and the way we've played this week, this season, we've been very consistent at the back. So I'd be very disappointed if we don't score one and hold out, hold out and win. Or if they score, we don't score two and hold out and win. I know it sounds really optimistic as a Spurs fan, wanting to beat Arsenal and knowing that we can do so. But I think with the news that they've lost Petr Cech and also they've lost Koscielny at the back, I think they've lost two mainstays of their back five. Koscielny mm-hmm. being uh, a quick um, centre-back who recovers very well and the goalkeeper being a commanding figure in and around the box I think they're going to find that um, there may not be as much cohesion between the back four and the goalkeeper yeah. which may be good for us because um, we're very clever we, we play a system where it seems at times we've got three number tens on the pitch yeah, yeah. and what I mean by that is we've got three up top 
behind Harry. There's no direct link from the wide to the midfield. We just interchange. Yeah. So if 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 Ericsson's out wide, he tends to do his thing there and, and links to the front man. If Deli Ali finds himself off of Harry, Deli Ali's got the legs and the youthful enthusiasm to be able to run past Harry if Harry drops in. Yeah. So we can interchange at the top end of the pitch. And I think unless they've got pace in the middle of their back four, they're gonna find that difficult to deal with. Yes. And I like I like I like the fact that um we can score from three or four different positions higher up the pitch. I'd be very disappointed if we don't win the game to be perfectly honest. How do you see Arsenal being able to threaten you guys? Where do you see the threat from them? Well, I honestly see Arsenal's threat coming from their wide areas. People like Sanchez and Oxlade Chamberlain probably won't play, so it'll be Theo Walcott, who once again, they've got real pace. You know, they've got God-given gifts in terms of pace. So I would I would say that that's where their main threat is. I'm not particularly worried about crosses because Arsenal don't tend to cross the ball like... Uh, maybe a West Bromwich Albion or a Stoke City are doing more nowadays. Even though Stoke seems to have more quality coming through the middle of the pitch. But I would say we wouldn't worry too much about their crosses because our fullbacks play very high up the pitch, you see. And if they get in behind our fullbacks, they lower the numbers they have to beat to get shots on target. And that's where we may be vulnerable to their pace. Yeah, I know sometimes fans, obviously being a player myself, I think fans sometimes can be a bit over harsh. Sometimes they're, they're not as educated as they think they are on the game, so they make these crazy statements after game. Do you know what I mean? But at the moment, going around on social media, I'm not, I'm not sure how much you use your social media accounts, but on social media at the moment, the Arsenal fans are absolutely furious. Back-to-back defeats. They're calling for Wenger's head. They're calling for players to get chopped. Do you feel Arsenal Wenger's past his expiration date? Well, when I look at when I look at Arsenal, I've got to say that it's a double-edged sword, really. Arsenal built a stadium that cost you know five, six hundred million up, upwards, and um, they've paid it off. They've been in the Champions League for 15, 16 seasons consecutively. I would say Arsene Wenger has done a wonderful job at their club. Now, for a Spurs fan to say that, you've got to understand that what we're craving is what they've already got. So maybe they're looking for the next level. We seem to have jumped forward and we are now challenging them for that next level without spending that money. But I've got to say, I applaud Daniel Levy for his slowly, slowly approach to get to where we are today. Yeah. Because if you look at our our squad, our squad hasn't cost as much as Arsenal's in terms of transfer fees, but I'm sure our squad is worth as much. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep, totally agree. Our, our squad of homegrown talent or talent that was nurtured from a very early age have grown into players that are now worth the money that Arsenal would have paid as transfer fees for these individuals, for those individuals they've got. So when we look at someone like Ozil, who cost well over forty million, and then we look at Ericsson, I would say Ericsson is on par with Ozil. Mm, interesting. When we look at Theo Walcott, who is very very quick down the sides, so who can play off the front man, we we found a boy in League One for five million pounds, which is virtually stealing it. 
Yep. And this boy can play off the front man. He can play up front. He can play on the left-hand side of a three. But what he does bring is goals. Yep. He brings a goal threat. And I would say that over a shorter space of time, we've got it right at Spurs. Because I think there is togetherness. There is a love for the club. There is a brand loyalty at our place. Whereas at Arsenal, I don't think they've got that loyalty that we've got. Plus, we've got youthful legs, haven't we? So, you know, it's going to be an intriguing game. Yeah. If Spurs score first, Spurs will win by two clear goals. Yeah. If Arsenal score first, Spurs will come back and win the game by a clear goal. Yeah, you, you've sat down with Pochettino. What, what's he like um, when you spoke to him and what have you got from him in terms of his philosophy and how he, he wants to do things at Tottenham? Well, it was only a brief conversation because um, I represent Josh Onomer, who's a good young player at Spurs, and he, um, he's very excited about the game. He's just grateful to be involved in the first thing, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. And Pochettino's philosophy is to give boys the opportunity to play their natural game within a team structure. Amazing. So he does worry about he does worry about when you're out of possession because then you need to find the team shape quite quickly. But as I alluded to before, there are three number tens on the pitch, so if you're caught in the middle of the pitch, the other two know where to fall into to compensate for you being out of that particular position at that moment in time. So I think he's brought that freedom that freedom of expression to the boys. And technically, they are very good, but it's also brought this high level of fitness so you can maintain your technical awareness for longer within the game. Yeah, well well broken down there, Eric. I, I, I agree with you, Jamie. I mean, I've met him myself, and I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of him and how he's allowed the young players to come through and like he's brought in the likes of... Deli Ali and I'm I'm blown away. I'm really I'm not a Spurs fan or an Arsenal fan. I love both clubs and I follow them both. Um, love them both because I played for, for both. Yeah, I played for both. Fourth person in history to do that, me and boy. Um, but yeah, so finally, prediction. I don't really I'm not into these predictions, but you know the fans and the listeners they're gonna like to hear a prediction from yourself. And don't be biased. I want to be honest. No, no, no. I listen. I, I'm trying not to be biased, even though I am. You know, but objectively, uh, um, I'm looking at it and I'm saying that Spurs have got such a togetherness that I think that they will they will work off the ball for each other and give each other the opportunity to score goals. Because as you know, Ryan, having played the game at such a level, it's the movement off the ball that gives you the opportunity to play certain passes. Correct. And Spurs seem to have that because they've got the youthful legs and the enthusiasm. Yeah, and I think they have less. I feel they have less pressure on them tomorrow. Well, I'm not so sure. Spurs fans are very, very demanding, and now we're reasonably close to, firstly, finishing in the top four, which was our main objective at the beginning of the season, and now finishing in the top two of the Premier League. Everybody wants to win it now because it's such a huge, huge prize to win. It's something that it's something we never envisaged, and you know what human beings are like—we get greedy, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, top four is what we wanted. Well, we'd have settled for that. We'd, have, you know, we'd have been cheering up the rooftops. But now, top four is in the bag, so to speak. We're looking for something that glitters, something that shines, something we can look at quite regularly and want to rub it with a nice piece of mutton cloth. Yeah, it's one of those things that you want. 
but you know that you don't really deserve, but yet you still want it. Cool. Yeah, so you got... Arsenal spent a hell of a lot of money yeah. to get to where they are, and we are battling alongside them for the same trophy. Yeah. I think Daniel Levy has done a wonderful job at Spurs, and I think he should be applauded for it. Under pressure sometimes he's been. Yeah, you're right. My, my opinion, I think. So you're going for Spurs win tomorrow? I like that. Spurs win by a single goal. By a single goal. All right, cool. Eric, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you. 2-1 or 1-0. Two. First or first, it could be more. 2-1 one or 1-0. One okay, that's coming from Eric Waters, base soccer. Eric, I appreciate you coming on the show. My mentor. Thank you, Robert. Speak soon. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, that was Eric Waters. Um, great agent, great mentor. Uh, I've known him since I was 15 years old, just nearly 18 years. He's been amazing. I've seen him go from the ground up. I remember when he was a black taxi driver and he set out on his dream to be one of the top agents in the country and he's now done that. He also has players like Ashley Young and he's he's done deals all over the place. Do you know what I mean? So you're getting, you're getting a perspective from someone who's in the business, um, proper diehard Spurs fan, and yeah, but listen to me. I tried to get your boy Leon Knight on the show. Um, there was a technical issue at my end. I just couldn't actually get the show. Um, the audio wasn't that good. We're going to try and get him on before the game. So we'll, we'll see if we can get him because he did have a lot to say. And I'm kind of pissed off couldn't get him on the show. But you Arsenal fans, Tottenham fans and football fans in general, uh, let me know your comments below. And yeah, make sure you look out for the new Ron Ricketts show. It's coming out soon. Sorry for the delay in, in, since I've done the last show. I've been traveling the world. I'm in Thailand at the moment. Like I said, might be in Bangladesh next week or possibly Australia. Um, looking for a new club. It's been absolutely crazy. But listen, thanks for downloading and listening to the show. Leave your comments below. Enjoy the derby tomorrow. Ciao. Mm-hmm.